Welcome to the Big Red Zone Podcast, Episode 5. That's right, we have made it through five of these things, and I am so happy about that. I am one of your hosts, Max. I am another one of your hosts, Brad. Max, I love you as the intro guy, but when did we ever decide that you're doing intros, dude? Like, are you gonna, like, share it with us, too? Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners first? I'm Roey, the salty host, and I don't know. Seems like third on the list, last hey, but and least. No bias. I don't know. No bias. Seems like there's lots of bias going on. I don't know. Hey, man, all I'm saying is you weren't on episode one, so you better check your math a little bit. Ooh, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. He does help pay the bills, though. He does help pay the bills. <laughs> Which I believe Brad has solely been paying this whole time. <laughs> we don't so, have to talk about that. Yeah, we yeah. We'll, we'll, I, I think we actually that. should talk about that yeah, if we'll, we get the chance. We'll, we'll sort that out on our uh, on our own time. Anyways, left my wallet in the car. Left my wallet back home. So we have a great show for you tonight. Do uh, we though? Yeah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> We do have a very bad show here today, but that's largely because we're going to talk about the draft, you know? Some good, some bad, and a very bad storyline that was recently released is what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. Guys, what have you been hearing? Is he going to be on the Packers at the start of next season? I actually hear he's going to be on the uh, Patriots at the start of next season. No bias. It'll be Mac Jones' backup. I swear, if he goes on the Patriots, we're making this like a hockey podcast or something. I will not talk about football for the rest of my life if he's on the Patriots. No bias, though. No bias. So do you guys think there's any truth to the rumors that he's fed up with management, that he's ready to leave town from Green Bay? Well, I don't know if you saw the report, but apparently Adam Schefter didn't actually have too many credible sources when he leaked all his A-Rod stuff. And I gotta say... I don't know how good practices it is for Schefter to do that. I mean, this is a huge deal. I mean, Rodgers being on the Packers, not being on the Packers, that shifts the entire landscape of not just the NFC, but the entire NFL. So before we even discuss what to make of whether it's true or not, I think it's important that we recognize that can we really trust the reports that have come out? I think... I, I can't speak at all to whether the truth of the reports, and that's a good point you bring up, Brad. Really nobody knows. Um, I think Rodgers is kind of known to run some uh, a tight ship. We don't hear many leaks, so it was really kind of shocking to hear all this stuff come out now. I will say, though, we saw that picture of him at the Kentucky Derby with some of his teammates. I think, you know, just listen to him speak about the Packers throughout the season. I think he likes uh, his teammates. I think he likes the team. I just really think he's at odds with the GM. Um, I think that he is right to be frustrated. I don't think he's gotten the respect he deserves as really a top-tier quarterback. The only you know quarterback I can really think of in terms of both veteran presence and accomplishments that would rank ahead of him in terms of the respect he demands and requires is Tom Brady. You know, you may say that Patrick Mahomes, maybe even Russell Wilson, have done more in their careers than Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, no one has had both the veteran presence and the, you know, racked up three MVPs like Rodgers has. I think that among active quarterbacks, he should be among the top QBs getting, you know, a big share of control over the organization. And I don't think he has been. Well, actually, I I believe between Mahomes, Rodgers, and Wilson, they've all only won one Super Bowl. 
Yeah, I mean, Rodgers, even though he's only won one Super Bowl, uh, he's last year, like, he's the MVP of the league. He won it over Mahomes. He won it over Wilson. He led his team to a 13-3 and record. And uh, arguably what should have been a Super Bowl berth if well, uh, their cornerback didn't get burned by Scotty Miller in the NFC Championship game. I mean, I agree with you, and I think what I'm about to say is a topic for another time. But we do. I have seen a trend of not super clutch performances in the playoffs, as opposed to in the regular season. Just want to put that out there. Just, just want to put that out there. It doesn't mean you go out and draft a quarterback in the first. Absolutely round. not. No, yeah. no, no. I'm just, I just I want to like you know keep both sides here that like. Yes, terrible play by the CB. Same time, this wasn't a one-off thing. In terms of where he could land, if all this stuff is true, I've seen the Broncos being you know tossed around there as a top landing spot for him. No bias, but as a Chargers fan, this is greatly concerning. We saw that the Broncos had a somewhat similar situation with Peyton Manning, though he left the Colts due to injury concerns. The Broncos are no stranger to picking up veteran QBs that many people think are washed up or distraught with their current organizations and then going on to win championships with them as they did with Peyton Manning. Honestly, for the sake of the AFC, that seems to be already too QB dense. I really hope that Aaron Rodgers can stay you know, in Green Bay. What are your guys' thoughts in terms of landing spots for him? Yeah, I've been, I've been hearing a lot about the Broncos as well. Um, which is really interesting, and I think what makes it more interesting is this is almost a segue to our next topic, which is the NFL draft, but we'll stick with Rodgers for a little bit. What's really interesting with the Broncos is that everyone was pegging them to take a quarterback at their pick at number nine, uh, and they had two good options out of the top tier with Justin Fields and Mac Jones, and they didn't. And some point to that as a sign of, oh, they trust sort of the platoon the guys they have of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. But that also could be a sign that they're swinging for the fences. They're aiming to land a bigger fish in Aaron Rodgers. And I think they're the most likely destination. If I were to place my bet, I think the Packers organization, when choosing between Aaron Rodgers and management, would probably still take Aaron Rodgers uh, and that their GM would get fired if it really was that high of an ultimatum. I'd put my bet that he'd be on the Packers next year and for the next few years until he truly is ready for retirement. So, you know, I've also been hearing the Broncos, but if I were to give my own personal opinion, and this has not been backed up by any specific sources, this is just my own personal opinion, um, assuming he doesn't go back to the Packers and he has to land somewhere else, I'm going to throw out, as much as it kills me to say it, the Miami Dolphins. I think they're a quarterback away from being a real Super Bowl contender. Um, I mean, I still think they're a playoff contender with Tua, although I don't know if he's the real deal. I think we'll get a better glimpse of that this season. Yep. But I think, you know, Brian Flores, good coach, he could make the sell to Packers. To, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, make the sell to Rodgers. You know, come here. We've got the pieces around you. Um, we'll maybe get you another wide receiver too, and we'll make a real Super Bowl run. Yeah, I think if Rodgers sort of gets traded – uh, it'll be one of the biggest trades in, I think, the past recent memory. Like there Bigger been, than Brady to the Bucks. Well, I'm talking trades. Trades. But, because trade. he's still under organization control. Like, he's not a free agent. I think if he were a free agent, he'd be out the door by now. But I can't remember a quarterback of this caliber getting moved by a team 
in in the near future. I think if Deshaun Watson, uh, which the rumors swirling around him were definitely uh, a topic for a different time, but if he had gotten moved, it would have been comparable to that. Sort of a true franchise guy. Like, the closest I can think of is Matt Stafford this last year, but Matt Stafford is sort of miles below Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league, uh, the reigning MVP. So if it happens, I think it'll be a move of enormous magnitude like brad said could shape the foundations of the nfl and we would definitely have a pot about it i mean it's kind of interesting because aaron Rodgers, as great as he is i truly believe that currently he's in the top three best quarterbacks in the nfl At the end of the day he is 37 um it begs the question um how many first round picks are you willing to give up when the man might retire before you get your next first round pick uh so, well, what are your guys' thoughts on potentially a team trading multiple first-round picks, likely a team that's going to have early first-round picks, for a guy who we don't know how many more years he has in the NFL? So, I think, and I, I'm not, I'm going to use the Patriots as an example, although I don't think he's going to go to the Patriots. I think if you're going to give out first-round picks, you have to have a QB who has the potential but needs more time. So, for example, if you have, like, a Mac Jones who you think could be good in the future, and we'll get to the Mac Jones stuff later, and you want to have him sit behind Rodgers, who better to teach your QB than, like, you know, Rodgers? That being said, you have to have that guy, in my opinion, if you're going to forego quarterbacks. Or forego first-round picks and, by extension, quarterbacks, because quarterbacks in this league are very hard to come by, and... We've known from history that deals like this always put you in QB purgatory, so you've got to have a plan and somebody in the background. Well, that's sort of part of the reason why I don't think the Packers are trading Rodgers. I mean, they have a first-round QB who they supposedly believe in, who they traded up for last year in Jordan Love. And supposedly, I mean, it makes sense. That's probably one of the things that's alienating Rodgers to this day. Uh, the presence of that guy behind him who is will probably be his successor. And that's what he was to Brett Favre. It's sort of understandable why this could tick him off. So if I'm the Packers, I want to hold on to Rodgers for at least a few more years, for have sure. him mentor um, Jordan Love. And then when he's eventually you know, done and dusted, uh, they can move on to their next guy who might not be NFL ready at this very moment. I want to bring up one more point about this topic before we talk about the NFL draft with the, with the tar Chargers absolutely dominated. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, so, just to play devil's advocate here, love Aaron Rodgers. He's actually one of my favorite NFL personalities. Love the quarterback. Not Rashawn Slater. <laughs> Rashawn Slater's <laughs> probably number one. Aaron, a close, like, second. Uh, but in any case, um, you know, there's something to be said about the Packers' history of kind of moving on from their quarterbacks when people think that they still got a couple more years in right. the tank. We saw Bart Starr, 16 seasons with the Packers, potentially could have had a bit more. I don't really know the full story there. What I do know is that Brett Favre also was, you know, superseded yep. by Aaron Rodgers, 16, 16 seasons. seasons. Aaron Rodgers, guess how many seasons he's played in the NFL? 27. 16 seasons. So, yeah, you know, Max intro guy, but not the sharpest tool in the shed. So, in any case. Also, I just want to add final thoughts on the Packers situation. If Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback... I think Packers fans are the luckiest in the NFL. I mean, mm. you've gone from Bart Starr to Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to even if he's just a franchise quarterback who puts you in the playoff conversation, 
That's any team's dream. But, but, hold, but hold on. The, the Packers currently are getting on a ton of flack, to be honest, for mo- potentially moving on from Aaron Rodgers. But just to play devil's advocate here, we've seen other teams, like my own very Chargers, it seemed like the last few seasons with Phillip Rivers, he did take us to the Yoffs in 2018. But, you know, Rivers wasn't that electric his last few seasons. It seemed like the Giants, too, clinged on to Eli Manning for maybe a few more seasons than they, than the they should have. Clinged on to Brady. Oh, come on. Don't give yeah, me that. Bro. You won championships. <laughs> okay, wait a second. No, no we, we won championships, okay? But if Mac Jones... But there's no but to winning championships. Let me finish, okay? We won championships. I'm not going to deny that. Okay, but if Mac Jones is no good, and the Patriots don't have another QB for the next eight to ten years, was it worth the one championship to having a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else who you could have moved on to, who'd put you into the playoff conversation every year for the next eight, ten years? My after man, that? the Chargers were founded in 1960 or some jazz, and we still have zero championship. Was it worth the one championship? I've been waiting my entire life for one championship. And that's, that that's the crux of this thing, of this whole situation. Yes, Rodgers is 37, but he is the MVP. He, If a team is a quarterback away, like Brad said, then you trade anything for that guy, that missing piece who will get you a championship. Because at the end of the day, a championship is the most important thing in any sport, and you will happily trade much of your future for that championship. I would actually argue that zero Pepsi uh, Rookie of the Year is the most important accolade, but after that, the championship is definitely So let's talk about the zero Pepsi Rookie of the Year, shall we? Um, We've been harping on about Rodgers, but arguably the biggest storyline over the past week was the NFL draft. So guys, we're not going to go... Arguably the biggest story? All right, shut up. Uh, we're not going to go through pick by pick. That would take three days, uh, which With is the what the draft the first pick from. in the NFL draft, the Jaguars select... Rowie Derry. I told you I would get drafted. Ah, in the I... last podcast, Max Griner, NFL insider and specialist, said that I would not get drafted. You went first. He was right. He was right. I was right, but I'm still holding out for that undrafted free agent. Hey, man, I'm getting some interest. I'm getting some looks, dude. From the CFL? No. I mean, I've, I've sent emails, but no no, no one's responded. All right, just add, add, add people on LinkedIn. I yeah. think that's what gets the job yeah. done. So, guys, what was it, what were sort of like some of your favorite storylines coming out of the draft? Some of your winners and losers, some of the maybe surprise picks, the picks that you guys like the best. Just share your thoughts. I'd like to start off with storylines um, because they're the feel-good stories of the draft. I thought, you know, may, there were some questionable picks here and there. Um, but at the end of the day, we saw a lot of cool college reunions in yep. this draft. We saw most obviously Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. <laughs> we'll probably talk about that pick later on. I know, Max, you have some. You feel some type of way about I that I do pick. feel some type of way. But, but, hey, at the end of the day, it was a really cool reunion. I mean, Joe Burrow, to some extent, must be pumped about that. We also saw the Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne pick, which really they played last year together. They're going to play next year together, which is really cool. Uh, we even saw teams that were, you know, teammates that played a little bit farther apart, like Tua and Jalen Waddle get reunited. Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. It's kind of, it honestly seems like it's the QB wide receiver, QB RB duos, which are honestly cool. Because, you know, if you're drafting like a, an offensive lineman and then like a safety from the same class, it's like, it's cool, but it seems like you're just into the, your, your GM's into the college more so than it is like Mac cool Jones league. and Christian Barmore, yeah. baby. Nick Saban, dude, and Bill Belichick. But in any case, I think it's, we saw some really cool reunions with some of the top picks, which is really interesting. Is it possible Nick Saban is trading Belichick? 
faulty information to secure himself as the best coach in football history between the college football and... I certainly hope not for the sake of our New England Patriots, but I think that that's, like, one of of the cool storylines that I can't remember a past draft. Like, I sort of remember watching the, the NFL draft broadcast, and at every pick of those, they're like, okay, this is the first time that a QB and a wide receiver from the same school have been drafted in the top 10, like, in consecutive years. And they said that with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And then they said that with the very next pick with uh, Tua and Jalen Waddle. So I think that was a storyline that sort of no one, like, really expected coming into the draft. It's pretty rare. So I think that this just sort of speaks to the fact that these NFL organizations are trying to make the transitions as easy as possible for uh, their rookie quarterbacks and wide receivers. Quick tangent, speaking of making transitions as easy as possible, you know, they, the NFL just made a rule where rookies can, and any player whatsoever, can just choose whatever number they want. It's going to be super interesting next season to see, like, for example, the Chargers third-round pick Josh Palmer is playing with number five. It's going to be absolutely, like, which is his college number, I believe. It's going to be crazy to see a ton of, like, positions, you know, with just who numbers is, all across the board. Who is Josh Palmer again? I had never uh, heard his name before he got drafted. Actually. Wide receiver ten, uh, from Tennessee and the front runner for zero uh, Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Year. You heard it here first. You heard it here Okay, first. I don't know about that, but I do know that my sort of one of, one of my biggest takes coming out of the draft was teams neglecting their O-line for the flashy pick. Agreed. Yeah, and that was... that. I was sort of talking to Roey about this before the pod. And I was even talking about it in the last pod uh, with the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase pick. I called that the Bengals would take Jamar Chase, and I said that I hated it because, because Joe Burrow needs protection, and so do all quarterbacks. If quarterbacks don't have time to throw, they can't be what the team expects them to be. And we'll get into some other teams that sort of have this problem that I saw in the draft. But Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm curious. What are your guys' thoughts on Justin Fields to the Bears? Is is he the Mitch Trubisky that never was? Is he going to be a bust? What, what are your thoughts? Because they certainly went for the flashy pick. Well, I think that the, the flashy pick... Um, I think that that gets thrown out the window when you have your franchise quarterback. And I personally believe that Justin Fields will be the best quarterback of this draft. I actually think he will be better than Trevor Lawrence. Um, that, that's Cat. Not Kellen Mond? Kellen Mond will be number two. That's all I'm going to say. Davis Mills for the win. All right. Um, but I think if you have a Josh chance Palmer. to grab a, <laughs> a potential <laughs> franchise quarterback, you do. I'm talking like like picking running backs with the Jaguars like they took Travis Etienne in the first round they need O-line help they need help everywhere um I'm talking Trevor Lawrence yeah I'm talking like <laughs> like the Packers taking a cornerback when they needed some more O-line help I'm talking I'm talking like you need to fortify from the trenches and I know I sound a lot like the Lions GM here they're sort of trying to build from the inside out they took Panay they'll Sula. bite your kneecaps they off, will dude. bite your kneecaps off but it's 100% true. Like, if your quarterback doesn't have the time to do what he does best, your team won't succeed. You know, I actually saw this really funny quote that, um, I, this this might have been a meme, so apologies if this isn't real. But um, it was, uh, uh, Groff. 
Goff, sorry, Goff saying that, like, you know, he's glad that his team has confidence in him and didn't draft a quarterback. And then his GM chirping back, you know, we would have taken a quarterback if Panay um, hadn't been rated so high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, te- teams sort of, sort of go, they, they have, like, these t- tongue-in-cheek comments. And I, I love Panay Sewell. I think he's a monster. Uh, and I think that sort of speaks to this, right? Like, teams want to be flashy. Like, the Steelers, they took Najee Harris. But what O-line is he going to run behind? Like, O-line and D-line is the really the heart and soul of your team, even though no one really wants to admit it. So that, that was sort of one of my biggest takeaways. We can sort of segue into the more quarterback talk, like you said, with Justin Fields. Hey, man, it's a line of scrimmage football game. I mean... I remember the, the I watched the call that Brandon Staley gave to Chargers uh, first round pick Rashawn Slater, who we will talk about, and I think that was a great pick for the Chargers. But in any case, you know, no Brand- bias, no Bra- bias. Brandon no Staley is, you know, he told them we want to be a line of scrimmage football team, and I'm really happy they made that pick. I completely agree with you, Max. We saw lots of skill position players go in the first round. Uh, some of the O line fell quite a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, I do agree. I, I actually want to shout out the Jets here for trading up to get uh, yep. Elijah Vera Tucker. I thought that that was a very good pick for them. You know, when you trade up, you don't always want to see your team trade up to take an O lineman, but give some protection to Zach Wilson. I really like that pick. So quick shout out to the Jets. Yep. And I mean, even the team they traded up with, they traded up with the Vikings, who traded down and got their O lineman pick in Christian Darisaw. So teams are being smart about it. Uh, teams are doing what they do best. I mean, look at the Raiders. They they took uh they took the ba- yeah Leatherwood Leatherwood yeah Leatherwood. they they took the Bama O lineman in the first round. And I mean, we may not like it. He was projected as a mid second round pick, but they think he's their guy to protect Derek Carr or whatever quarterback John Gruden has in mind uh, for the future. So if they believe he's their guy, I think teams should go for it. And yes. The flashy pick can sometimes seem appealing, but it might not always work out. I think that, you know, just on the Raiders, as much as I hate to admit it, I want to shout out their second-round pick, Trevon Morig. I think that this was a great pick for them. The Raiders have been known to kind of take, you know, reach for players to some extent. Yep. We saw, what, what was that defensive end they took? Clellan Farrell. Clellan Farrell really never panned out. He was questionable from day one. Pick from, four. From minute one, second one, pick four. But uh, Alex Leather Leatherwood, we'll, we'll see how he, he, he pans out. But Trevon Morig was a guy that you know I had my eye on for this draft, and I'm really, really excited for what this guy can do. But what, who, who do you think were some of this round steals? Speaking of Trevon Morig, who was considered one of the biggest steals, who are some of the steals in this draft? Jason Owe, pick 31 to the Ravens. Ed Rusher, I think he could be really good. And I do just want to point out that... Um, he was almost taken by the Bucks, so I'm kind of glad the Bucks didn't get him because I think Jason Owe is going to make some big splashes. Hey, you know, I get some heat from Max for not being a complete NFL prospect, but to all you agents and all you GMs out there, I had the same amount of sacks as Jason Owe last year. So sign me as a defensive end. I have the same stats as the man. Come on, I should be in the NFL. Hey, hey, you can knock him now, but come, come the NFL season when he is the zero Pepsi rookie, defensive rookie of the year. Y'all are gonna come back. Yeah, we'll see. And I mean, he landed on the Ravens, who have who have a lot of Giroy. Yep, who have uh, a lot of um, experience in developing defensive linemen. So we'll see if he pans out. I personally would like to give a shout out to the Browns for two steals. Actually, um, 
coming into the draft, the the Browns had a great year. Um, they exceeded basically all expectations set out for them. Meaning they went beyond two and fourteen. Yup, and they won a playoff game, which is more than both the Chargers and the Patriots can say. Extremely accurate. Yup. So really, they were looking to fortify what was already a great foundation. And the offense was already sort of set. They have the quarterback of the future, uh, who they believe is the quarterback of the future. They have a fantastic offensive line, two great receivers, a good tight end in Austin Hooper, and two great running backs. So they were really looking to build up the defense, uh, especially the secondary, and some of that defensive line. They signed Jadavion Clowney before the draft, to be a, sort of an edge rush partner to Miles Garrett, but they're still looking for some secondary help. They got Greg Newsom, who I personally think is a steal in the back of the first round, quarterback out of North, cornerback out of Northwestern. Uh, and then to help build up that D line, they got a linebacker, JOK. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his full name from Notre Dame in the end of the second round, who is projected to be a mid first round talent. So I personally think that they had a fantastic draft in terms of scoping out the talent, the talent that was there at the position, but also at positions of need. They found players that would help them get over the hump. And don't forget, they have two players in the secondary coming back next year from injury, as well as the two safeties they signed from the Rams. So I think that the Browns look out. I think their Super Bowl window is officially open. So I want to kind of pose just a general question here. Which draft strategy do you think is better in the long run? Best available pick or by need? I'm a huge best available pick kind of guy. I think that at the end of the day, you never know what happens in this league. One guy can be on your team one year, the next guy, another guy the next. I, I feel like I've admittingly been full of bias this uh, this episode because I've talked about the Chargers at least three or four times. No but, bias. You know, this is the only example that really comes to my to my yep. mind, so so forgive me. But two seasons ago, the Chargers were flying high. Casey Hayward, PFF, had him ranked as one of the top corners. We had Michael Davis coming off a great year. Even, uh, even um, Desmond King, who's now on the Houston Texans, uh, was, was doing great for us. He was an all-pro. Uh, so, you know, two years ago, if you would have asked about our cornerback situation, yep. I would have said we were absolutely set. Now we find ourselves two years later, though we did pick a cornerback in the second round I'm very hopeful about. Before the draft, we were in dire straits in terms of our cornerback situation. I think with this NFL, the NFL we are in today, you never know what your biggest need is until the season actually starts. I think it's kind of short-sighted to pick uh, the best, the biggest need for your team because you really don't know who's going to be on your team the next season. I think at the end of the day, every position is a need because uh, you can always continue to improve on yourself. Pick the best player available. Yeah, I think that it sort of depends for me personally, at least. I know Cop I've out been... answer. What? Cop out answer. Cop out answer, I know. But I think it sort of depends what positions are of need, to be honest with you. I've sort of been talking about I'm a big fan of building from the inside out, building from the line. I think if you have an awful line, there's not much you can do. So I think if the line is a position of need, then you sort of need to solidify that to be able to solidify anything else. But I think that overall, if there's a can't-miss prospect who you love, who grades highly, higher than anyone else on your draft board, I think you need to take that prospect, you need to have faith in your scouting department, and you need to draft that best player available over your player. 
All right, yeah. guys. So we talked about the Browns uh, being a great draft team, draft hall class. Who are your guys' top most improved from the draft? Uh, and the team that you think drafted the worst or among the teams drafted the worst, where would you guys rank your picks? Honestly, I think I have to say the 49ers. I really like the Trey Lance pick. I think that um, at a minimum, he's going to light a fire under Garoppolo to either play like the quarterback that they thought he was going to be and honestly paid him like he was going to be, or it's Trey Lance's show. It's time to shine. I mean, like, I... um. I couldn't tell you at this point which 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 way that's going to go. Whether it's going to be Garoppolo's uh, team in two years, whether it's going to be Trey Lance's team. Um, I think obviously if Garoppolo's good enough, they'll trade Trey Lance and they'll get a nice package for it. And I like the other picks they made too. So honestly, I'm going for the 49ers. Shout out Jimmy G right quick. I I saw a story that he was the first guy to reach out to Trey Lance when he got drafted. He acquired his phone number from 49ers leadership, I believe, reached out to him to congratulate him on the pick. Extreme class act by Jimmy Garoppolo at a time in the NFL when we see that veteran QBs are starting to get highly sensitive about quarterbacks getting drafted under them. So I really want to commend Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, for for really like trying to support Trey Lance. I'm I agree with you, Brad. I'm very optimistic for the young quarterback, mainly because he seems to be entering a very welcoming environment and a very offensive-minded coaching staff. Yeah, uh, I think that basically going off of that, I view any team that got their guy as a winner. Uh, And what I mean by that, who got who they think is a franchise quarterback from the future. I'm not going to sit here and tell you who I think will be good, Justin Fields, who I think will be maybe not so good. Uh, Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond will be great. But I think that any team, especially who got like those first five quarterbacks, who came out of this draft feeling like they got their guy from the for the future, is a winner. Because when you have a franchise quarterback, like basically the pieces around that are auxiliary pieces. In that case, then wouldn't you think that the Jaguars would have been one of the most improved teams from the draft? Oh, under, I, under that logic? Oh, I definitely think they are. Yeah, I, I view Jags as definitely one of one of the few most improved teams. Fun fact, um, if the Jaguar, assuming the Jaguars don't go 17-0. Which I think it's safe to say they won't. safe to say they won't. What Trevor, do you mean? Trevor, you mean? Trevor Lawrence is going to lose his first regular season. Game. Why are you saying that as a certain? They're going 17 and 0. Led by Gardner Minshew. Led, led by Travis Etienne, dude. You're just a hater, man. I am a hater. I'm not a huge fan of the Etienne pick. I think that the Jacks could have done better. But, dude, they got who scouts consensus is one of the top graded quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck and really in NFL history. So, yeah, they got that guy. Of course they're a winner. Uh, They're a winner. The Jets are a winner. I'm not a huge fan of Zach Wilson, but the Jets seem to believe in him. They seem to be surrounding him by talent. Like Roe said, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, some protection. Also, Elijah Moore, great wide receiver. Elijah Moore, great wide receiver, adding to Mekhi Becton from last year's class and Corey Davis. Who, Mekhi Becton, is a guy that Denzel Perryman completely demolished in a, in a, in a play. Look it up on YouTube. Well, Shout out Denzel Perryman. Denzel Perryman demolishes everyone. So that's not really too much of a criticism. But the Jets are building something, and one of their biggest criticisms was not being able to surround Sam Darnold, but they sure seem to be trying to help Zach Wilson in every way possible. 
I think the Niners are a winner. I think Trey Lance is super dynamic, and if anyone can help him flourish, it's the Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, I view the Pats as a winner. Uh, Matt, Mac Jones will probably not start right away. It's Cam Noon's show. But Bill Belichick has been able to do a whole lot with non-athletic, uh, maybe a little overweight quarterbacks. So if anything, it's some competition for Cam Newton. And I think that, yeah, and any team who came out of this with a quarterback that they can, that they will believe in and they will look to help succeed is an absolute win. And the Bears, like Brad said, we already mentioned them. But I think trading up for Justin Fields was an absolutely fantastic move. I really hoped he'd fall to the Pats. He would not. But, yeah. Max out here giving out winners like Oprah gives out cars. You are a winner, and you, you are, are a winner, and you, you are a winner. That was one winner. Sort Teams of, who drafted sort of, quarterbacks. One winner. One winner. Sort of like the Chiefs O-line in the Super Bowl. You get a sack. You get a sack. Absolutely. You get a sack. Absolutely. Speaking of the, speaking of the Chiefs O-line, they improved. And I mean, I, I know we've been talking about it, but I think personally that the Chargers are one of the more, more improved Ayo. teams. Yep. Uh, taking Rashawn Slater in the with the 13th pick, who was projected inside the top 10. And if you look at their second round pick, which Roy mentioned, Asante Samuel. Junior. Yep. But not their third round pick, because who is Josh Palmer? Shut up. Uh, <laughs> I've heard people say that he's going to be really good. All he needed was a good quarterback, and he, he's got one. The The... Zero Pepsi rookie of the year. But I heard that the coach said that anytime you can combine a position of need with the best player av- available, it's a win. And that was basically what he said about their second round pick of a corner of Asante Samuel. So look out. The Chargers are here as long as their defense is healthy with uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram coming back from injury and Derwin James. Hopefully, knock on wood, everybody's healthy. I think that the Chargers are have a great season ahead of them and that Rowie can be excited. So, you know, in the last 10 minutes we sort of had here in the podcast, you know, two of the three of us are two of the three of us are Patriots fans. I think we got to talk about it. Mac Jones. Thoughts? I mean, Mac Jones is a guy that I always felt like got a little bit too much hate during the draft process. Whenever you're coming out of Bama, Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, the whole crew, you're always going to get some questions about how much of it was at you, how much of it was the players around you, how much of it was your system. At the end of the day, I think that Mac Jones won a national championship, and that's something to be very uh, you know, commendable and respected. Not every quarterback with a great team, like Tua Tagovailoa, although he was riddled by injury, which is very unfortunate, was able to do that. Um, I think that Mac Jones could potentially be a very great quarterback in this draft, though, although I don't see him, you know, n- none of his physicals or his tangibles really leap off the, the charts for me. He'll get there. But yeah, yeah, next year he'll be benching 300. I think he can very easily develop into a game manager, and time will tell whether he can give us a little bit extra. Hey, if he's clutch and manages the game well, that's all we, that's all the, that's all the Patriots need to win. I mean, they, like, Obviously, you know, Tom Brady was more than that. But, like, Belichick, like, you know, I feel like last season, some of the games that were lost were obviously, you know, ugly wins that Patriots had no business winning. But some of them, I feel like the Patriots had the opportunity to win, and the game got, like, given away in, like, the last, uh, in in the fourth quarter. So, you know, if if we can find a quarterback who doesn't do that, maybe the Pats can be a uh, divisional round 
playoff team. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything to be said about Mac Jones, it's his accuracy. Like he said, college completion records. Uh, the, the one bad thing is his supporting cast in the NFL will undoubtedly be worse than the one he was playing with at college. I mean, we just saw Julian Edelman leave Patriots to go to Tampa Bay. So Did we uh, actually uh, see him uh, join Tampa Bay? Oh, sorry. Not yet. Uh, uh, not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. That's Tom Brady. Yeah, next, yeah, podcast. next podcast. Next podcast. Um, but, you know, I, uh, you know, there's still potentially a Julio Jones trade in the works, you know. <laughs> we'll see. S- speaking of that, um, just touching on what the Falcons did with the fourth pick, um, they were in conversation to possibly select a quarterback, uh, possibly Justin Fields. They didn't. They went with what people highly considered was the best player in the draft with Kyle Pitts with the fourth pick. And I think what I think this means is that I don't think they're looking to trade Julio Jones. I think they're looking to run it back with their core, their offensive core of Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio, and the newly added Kyle Pitts, who Rowie already dubbed the Hall of Famer. And I think that the Falcons, as long as their defense can shape up a little bit, I think the offense has the works to to carry this team to at least playoff contention. You know, we'll do predictions for each team in, in later episodes, but I don't know. I, I can never buy into the Falcons just because, like, every year they have a great team. And frankly, I, I think that it's, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Matt Ryan that he's had Julio Jones and um, Calvin Ridley for the last two years at least and couldn't get to the playoffs. I mean, circling back to our original topic of Aaron Rodgers – we're seeing a team that's getting a ton of flack for potentially letting go of their QB early. But it's a QB who in recent history really hasn't been able to win them a championship. Um, it seems that the Falcons are taking a different approach. They're sticking with Matt Ryan, though he in recent history has been a great quarterback who hasn't been able to win them a championship. Um, I wonder if the the Falcons, if they had drafted a quarterback at four instead of Kyle Pitts or potentially even traded up, whether they would have taken as much flack as as the the Packers did last year for Jordan Love, but you know, as as I was playing devil's advocate early on, you know, people people are saying on one hand that you know the the Falcons should take a quarterback, move on from Matt Ryan. He's gonna get you to the playoffs, but not anything mo- more. I didn't say move on by any stretch of imagination. I just said like you know, Tom Brady won Super Bowls with like. Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan and Matt Ryan, if he's really like you know, really good quarterback, has said Julio Jones, one of the top wide receivers in the league. Just that's all I was meaning. I mean, I don't think really anybody realistically believes the Falcons are going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. any of the next seasons. No, they they lose every game yeah. forty to fifty because their defense can't can't. Absolutely, keep up. absolutely, and I, I it just begs the question whether you know. There's something to be said about a fan base being sentimental towards their quarterback they had for a long time. But at the end of the day, as I learned with Phillip Rivers, who, you know, as soon as he left, we saw the electrifying Justin Herbert rise to the stage. (laughs) Part of me feels like, what if we did this switch a couple years earlier? You know, as much as I was like, Phillip, please stay. You know, I've never seen any other quarterback besides Phillip for my entire time as a Chargers fan. You know, maybe change is a good thing. And maybe NFL teams have fallen too often into the habit of staying being too sentimental and keeping their old quarterback for too long so maybe you know to some extent playing devil's advocate here the Packers could potentially be making the right decision though I think that the Packers are a much better or a much bigger Super Bowl contender than are the Falcons there is something to be said about 
at the end of the day, if your quarterback's not winning you championships, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, s- speaking of that, uh, it's it's sort of interesting. Um, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but one, one of the teams who people questioned, and I'm going to actually use this to talk about two teams, um, was the two teams that drafted cornerbacks back-to-back in the, in the start of the first round. And that is the Panthers with eight with J.C. Horn and the Broncos at nine with Pat Sertan. And both of these teams, yes, they had weaknesses in the secondary, but both of these teams had question marks at QB with the Panthers just recently acquiring Sam Darnold. Is he the guy? Didn't really show that much with the Jets, especially in the last two years. And the Broncos at nine with, uh, with Drew Locke, who did not show anything this last year, and potentially Teddy Brid- Bridgewater getting the start. So what do you guys think about these two teams? Like, were they winners? Were they losers? Yes, they addressed the weakness, but like, what is this worth it? Is this worth not drafting a quarterback at that spot? I think this is a sign that John Elway is becoming self-aware. He drafted Jay Cutler to the NFL, who was supposed to be a great prospect when he first entered the league, never panned out. In fact, I loved watching Jay Cutler because I loved the Chargers, seeing the Chargers absolutely smoke him. But in any case, Jay, uh, John Elway, who's the GM of the, of the uh, Broncos and an all-time GOAT quarterback, has never really been able to himself evaluate other you know, QB talent. We saw him make a mistake with uh, uh, Drew Locke. The only really success he's had under the, as the GM of the Broncos is winning a championship with Peyton Manning. I think when you draft Patrick Sertain, you're not going into the season thrilled about Bridgewater, thrilled about Drew Locke. You're going into the season thinking, which veteran quarterback, you know, proven veteran quarterback can we nab? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it somebody else? I, that's what I think the mentality, that's what I think the message that the, that the Broncos emanated to the rest of the league showed when they took Patrick Sertain. And though you may knock the Panthers and the Broncos for taking quarterbacks, I will say that I thought the Panthers had an excellent pick in J.C. Horn. I think he's one of the best cornerbacks uh, in this draft class. I think he's actually the best. Uh, Though I'm not a huge Sam Darnold guy, we'll see what happens. But I definitely think that speaking to the Broncos situation, choosing Patrick Sertain fills a need and communicates, we're still going the route of get a veteran quarterback, try to replicate a Peyton Manning situation. Yeah, that's that's super fair. I mean, with, with these teams, especially with early round corners, sort of early round receivers, it's hard to see when they'll pan out. I'm going to speed run through through a few quick other teams who I think have had really interesting drafts. We'll see if it pans out. First, I'll go with the Eagles. I think the fact that they got Devontae Smith traded up for him is a really good sign. I think they're trying to, trying to allow Jalen Hurts to succeed. Uh, I think the Vikings had a really good draft. Traded down, still got the O tackle they wanted. Max, took... is there anybody you think didn't have a good draft? Out of curiosity. Well, we're about to touch on the losers in a little bit, but I think that they took Kellen Mond in the third round, who's my guy, as everyone listening to knows, who I think will have one of the most surprising careers. Would like it to be known class. that my guy is Jason Owe. No one cares. Um, and I think finally that the Giants had a very interesting draft. They traded down with the Bears, but they got a haul for the Bears to move up 10 ish spots. And they they wanted Devontae Smith. They didn't get him, but they got who was the next wide receiver on their board, Kadarius Tony, with the trade down. I'm not a huge fan of Tony. He's a speedster, he doesn't have great hands, but they did get another first round pick, which I think in and of itself is a win. 
Yeah, I think the the wide receiver situation was particularly interesting in this draft. One of my honestly surprise picks was Jalen Waddle to the Miami Dolphins. I know he did go after Jamar Chase, but I was really expecting Devonta Smith to go before him, or at least I wanted Devonta Smith to go before him. I think that Jalen Waddle drew a lot of comparisons to Tyree Kill. Absolute menace, absolute speedster, burns every man in sight. But then again, I think that, you know, I'm not really, I'm not too sold on the Tyree Kill type yet. I don't mean to be a hater. I think Jalen Waddle can be a great guy in this NFL. But I honestly like to see, like, the Heisman winner go before him. I'm not too sure about Jalen Waddle as a pick. I will say this. Um, you know, Brian Flores obviously has his roots in the Patriots system. Who loves Alabama? Just want to suggest that that could be a possible reason that the Dolphins chose Waddle over Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that I I don't think that necessarily plays a role. I mean, they were both from Bama, but I think they they had Devonte Parker, who's more of the possession receiver. They had uh, Will Fuller, who's more of a field stretching type, and now they added Jalen Waddle to to add like that extra dimension to be that gadget guy to be thrown on like end around trick plays. And I think that this is the year. This is the year where we know if quarterbacks are the real deal. We'll know if Drew Locke is the real deal. He's not. He's not. We'll know if Daniel Jones is the real deal. Potentially. Potentially. Danny Dimes. I believe in him. We'll know. Start a restaurant if you wanted. Yeah. We'll 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 know if two is the real deal. Like teams are doing their best to like evaluate their quarterbacks as quick as they possibly can, which I think is good. Who else will Tua need? Jerry Rice. I mean, like he got Austin Tucker. O-lineman drafted a little bit before him. You know, he said Fitzmagic bail him out every time they've lost a game. Now he's getting Jalen Waddle, another, like, top pick. He's had, like, all this talent around him. I don't know. It's just a little bit sus to me. I think that I, I'm not a believer in Tua. You know, I was a Tua fan coming into the draft last season. But now that the Chargers didn't take him, you know, I'm kind of like a Tua hater because I want Justin Herbert to succeed over Tua. Speaking of Tua haters... When asked whether he preferred Mac Jones or Tua at QB, Waddle said Jones. How does that impact? Awkward. How does that impact? All I'm saying is, if they're making a playoff run, I don't care how awkward it is within the locker room. If Tua's getting the ball to him, I'm sure Waddle won't complain. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we had a similar situation with a court with after the Matthew Stafford trade with Jared Goff, I can't bl- remember which defensive lineman said that Matthew Stafford was an upgrade from Jared Goff. That defensive lineman then got traded to the uh, to the Lions a little bit afterwards. A little bit of awkward situation yep. there with Jared Goff. I think this happens. I don't think that unlike me, I think a lot of these players have a lot more thick skin. But if I were these players, I'd be super salty. Super salty. So speaking of saltiness, we talked a lot about the winners. Let's just quick blitz through the losers. So let's each one of us give a team our specific player. I thought everyone was a winner for you, Max. No, I'm, I'm not that participation type. I thoroughly believe in people losing so that I can win as I'm much gonna, as possible. I'm proven, losers, proven loser Brad, start, start, us, uh, start us off. Oh, well, you know, I, I don't know that I like that intro to my, to, to my preamble here, but um, I think the biggest loser in the draft has to be the Lions. I I look at them and like you know they got Panay Slow. Great pick. Great pick. But I just don't see any other picks I, after looking at their draft class as a whole, I know this is a bit of a hot take, but after looking at their draft class as a whole, 
I just still have no reason to suspect that they're not going to go between 1 and 16 to Ooh. 4 and 13 again. I know I called Brad the the proven loser, but he's the GOAT. Brad, great take. I think that, you know, the the Lions, they took Penny Sua, which was kind of a natural pick. We all saw that the, the Lions draft green room, war room, was, was, you know, very thrilled about that pick. I don't know. I haven't really looked into their class that much, but I don't know that they made big waves outside of Penny Sewell. At the end of the day, I think they need a lot more than one offensive tackle to, you know, to shape up that roster. I, I just think that when you've been this bad for that long, you need to make big waves in the draft to not be considered a loser. Absolutely. Yeah, if, y'all, if, y'all are if, really going wait, against wait, wait, my anti-flashing players. Wait a second, wait a second. Huh? If, if, you know, that's like the Bucks or like the Ravens or the Steelers with that same draft class, we look at it differently. You can't hold every team to the same level. Absolutely. The, the Lions have not been good. They needed players who were going to make immediate impact. Who's going to elevate their record? I think they took phenomenal players. Don't get me wrong. I love some of their picks. I really do. I just don't think it's enough to get them over, to get them to the next level. I don't even think Jared Goff is going to take them to the next level. But that's for and Jared Goff had weapons galore. At, Agreed. At at, uh, at the Rams, and he doesn't have those same weapons in the Lions. Although he can't bite a head off. Agreed. I think that you know this is a team that's kind of suffered from a lot of storylines in terms of their team. You know not. Not really, you know, get, getting worse in the context of their division for the off season. I think that the biggest losers in the biggest loser in the draft is the Texans, mainly because they didn't even have a lot of picks coming into the draft. They had five picks, and one of them was not even a first rounder. Come on, this team is in dire need of help if they are to stay competitive. They have a new coach now. I don't think that the five picks and not a non first round pick is going to help them whatsoever. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. I, I just I think they're the biggest loser because they needed the most help and I think they were the biggest loser even before the draft started because they were really in a bind. I just feel sorry for this organization. The la- last team to join the NFL, I want to see them have success. I just don't see it in the near future because of their lack of picks. Yeah, that that's a that's a great take. I mean, the Texans, I think they're probably the better favorite for uh the worst record in the NFL this year with all the controversy surrounding their QB position and their lack of talent anywhere else on the field. Like, they're, they're awful. They're, they're just awful. And I'm sorry for all the Houston fans listening to this. But I think that there are two biggest losers in this draft, and one is a team, one is a player. I personally think the outright biggest loser is James Robinson running back for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars who basically just had the new regime come in and say, listen, you were great last year. You are an undrafted rookie. You broke rookie records. You had 1,400 scrimmage yards. But we like Travis Etienne more. And they basically took Etienne to come in and take his job. Fantasy waiver wire pick of the century, James Robinson. I'm sorry, dude. You really resuscitated my, my fantasy roster last season. I have no idea why they would take RB before you. But hey, man, hey. go ball out. Hey, if 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 they like you know the new pick they just got, then maybe he'll get traded and like yeah, you know, come maybe, to the Pats. Like, like somebody, well, I mean, I don't know. I kind of like Damian Harris, but that's a story for another time. I um, you know, I think that uh, I think that you know James Robinson, solid player. He'll find he'll find a landing spot. I mean, I I, I mean, I, I think he's sticking around. I just think his his role is is getting. Cut. I mean, the NFL's going committee. The NFL, you know, with Todd, we saw Todd Gurley's rise and fall. 
I don't want to say he's out yet, but you know, it seems like past few seasons haven't been the same. Even Zeke, same thing can be said about him. I think the NFL is going committee. It's just another instance. The only exception, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, who knows? They they took Chuba Hubbard. Chuba, 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 Choo Choo, the Chuba train. I've been a huge Chuba Howard guy. Huge shout out. They took the uh, running back Chuba, out of Chuba, Oklahoma Choo State. Is that where he went? Oklahoma State. Yeah. I thought that was an excellent pick. I think this is a steal of the draft. They had Mike Davis last year, who's a promising backup. I think Chuba Howard comes in, makes a huge impact in that RB room. Who knows? C-Mac, Chuba Hubbard committee? I don't know. Who's the who's the top nope. cornerback? Who's the top running back in the Panthers? C-Mac we'll is... We'll see. N- not, all right, all right. C-Mac is still number one um, and going number one in any fantasy draft I'm part of, that's for sure. Really quick, the uh, the team I wanted to touch on before I got so rudely sidetracked was, chubba, chubba, was the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they took a D-end towards the end of the first draft and no other really flashy picks. They needed wide receiver help. They didn't get any. Uh, they took a reach D end who is in the middle of the who's projected like towards the end of the second round, and that sounds very similar to what they did a few drafts ago with reaching for Marcus Davenport, who hasn't panned out. So I think this pick is their attempt to sort of atone for that mistake. But at the end of the day, I think it's a reach. I think they could have traded back hey. for him. And I think that they could have taken some more immediate I mean, players. when you have the self-proclaimed hardest-working quarterback in the NFL, according to Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. You know, who knows? The the future, time will tell whether it's no. Taysom Hill, Jason Winston with, with the Saints. I agree. They're probably one of the teams that fell off the most, mainly because of Drew Brees' draft and help that much. I agree with you, Max. Not going to lie. And this is a bit of a hot take to sort of close out the show. Yeah, we got any hot takes? Each one of us. Blitz a hot take. Not Let's gonna go. Lie. You stuck. If Mac Jones is a bust, I'd kind of like to see the Pats roll with Jameis Winston. I think it'd be like you know, I, I like maybe he'll throw less interceptions. Maybe hot he take, won't. dude. This isn't an I'd like to see. This is a hot take. Make a prediction, Brad. Make a claim that we can we be on the record. Is Jameis Winston going to the Pats? When he does go to the Pats, is he going to be great? Solidify your claim, bro. Fine. Hot take, Jameis Winston takes the New Orleans Saints to the NFC Championship game Ooh, this season. That's hot. That's a hot take. Hey, that's definitely hot, and I personally would love to see that. My hot take is that Danny Dimes, yes, I think he proves that he's got it. I think with this new surrounding cast, with Kenny Galladay, with Kadarius Tony. With their monstrous defense who we saw on display over the last year, I think that Danny Dimes show that shows that he's got it. The Giants win the NFC East, win a playoff game, and I think Super they solid Super Bowl? Nope, no oh, Super Bowl, okay. not hot enough for that. But I think that they will show that they do have their franchise guy, and I think they open a window of real success for the New York football giants. Apologies in advance, but here's my hot take. My hot take is that Jason Owag gets his first sack in two years. I think this is the year that Jason Owag finally beats the man in front of him and finally tackles the quarterback with the ball in his hand, which is officially called a sack in NFL terminology. I think this is the year, Jason Owag, you get a sack, you get a car, everybody's a winner, like Max said. Jason Owag, get that sack. Hey, hey. Get that sack, Jason Owag. We're going to have Jason Owag on the show one of these days, and I am telling you, break out star... Get, get that sack. Get that sack. But dude. with that, 
We are nearing the end of the show here. So I'd like to personally thank you so much for listening here at BRZ. And we can't wait to see you next time.